Hello, this is Ralph from Happy Dog Training and welcome to Dog Talk. Dog Talk is the uh, dog podcast of Happy Dog Training and we are relaunching our podcast in um, conjunction with our new website which is going to launch soon as well. And we had one in the past um, that ran up to eight or nine episodes I believe and then kind of fell by the wayside, things happened and yeah, just couldn't continue for so many different reasons. I was just not something that um, we were able to do. But now hopefully we can get back to that and planning to release two episodes a month. That's the plan. And some of the old content that we had on the previous podcast, I think there's one or two episodes we'll probably bring back as part of this stream because there were some really good ones that I want to preserve. But we may redo some of the other ones with some new information and some updates and so forth. But this is our new podcast, Dog Talk. And uh, my name is Ralph Weber. I'm the owner of Happy Dog Training. I've been training dogs for 18 years now. It's a long time. And uh, certainly have done lots of things during this time in terms of dog training. Behavioral work is what I'm really known for. A lot of aggression stuff and uh, fear, anxiety in dogs. Um, but also pretty... Um, like reliable, more advanced obedience in the last couple of years. And there's been a huge shift in the way I trained over the years, and uh, especially since I became certified in the Training Without Conflict system by Ivan Balabanov. Um, training overall has just changed dramatically. But this is um, the first thing I want to do, actually. I recorded a video or a, an audio recently about how we train. It's also for a new website. And I wanted to share this part of our first episode because I think it's a good um, introduction into the way we train, the way we look at dogs, and why we're doing what we're doing these days and how we got there. So I want to start with that and uh, share that as the uh, first episode. I hope you enjoy. And I'll see you next time. Hello, this is Ralph from Happy Dog Training. And in this video, I'd like to give you a quick overview on how we train dogs at Happy Dog Training. And why? Um, I've been training dogs for 18 years. And during this time, I've trained in different ways. I've tried different things. I've worked in different ways. And there's lots of ways to accomplish things, no doubt about it. But there's no way that I've ever found that is better than what I'm doing today. And for the last five years, it has shifted all to play-based training. And play-based training means we work with toys instead of food. We're having an interaction that is around the game versus feeding. And that started, as I said, five years ago when I first um, played around with that, but it became really the predominant way where 95% or more of all the training these days is done through play over the last two years. Um, I was certified in the Training Without Conflict system by Ivan Balabanov, and that has shifted how I've trained dogs in general. What I've learned through this process is how to accomplish everything in a more effective way, in a faster way, way more reliable in every aspect, and more fun for the dog, for the dog owner, for me as a trainer. It's just more fun to do it this way, and it's so much more enjoyable for everybody all around. And the transformations I've seen in especially behavioral cases, which I'm known for, I've worked with aggression pretty much my entire dog trainer life, um, has also been remarkable. I've never been able to be as good at it as I am with play these days. 
So it's a truly remarkable way of working with dogs. And I want to give you a quick outline on how it generally goes when somebody is in our board and train program. Um, it's not really different if we'll do it in person. It just takes a little bit longer because the dog goes home with you and you practice and there's some back and forth, which is all fine and works also great. It's not, not a detriment at all. It's just a different timeline. But so in the board and train program, um, here, here's how the general outline goes. So our program is six to eight weeks long, depends on the dog, depends how old the dog is, if it's a puppy and what we're doing, if it's a fear or aggression case or something like that, also it's a little longer. But generally going for the first um, three weeks or so, sometimes four, but first two to three weeks, the main focus is simply getting the right motivation in the dog and a motivation for an interaction where I can show the dog, hey, I'm your friend, I like you, uh, we don't have to be enemies, I, you can trust me, I want to have a fun interaction with you and we're going to play together. We're going to have a good interaction and get a motivation in our dog or the dog I'm working with to the highest level possible. The way we do this is by harnessing the different aspects of play, which are also the different aspects of the predatory hunting sequence. So dogs, when they're born, they do enjoy every aspect of the predatory hunting sequence, which is stalking, uh, searching, stalking, chasing, fighting, celebration, and consumption. And just by nature, the things are searching, got to find it, stalking, got to sneak up to it, chasing, got to catch it because it is going to run, uh, fighting, got to overpower it because it's not just going to surrender. And then once you have it, you can carry it around, celebrate, and then eventually eat it. Um, that, that's the hunting sequence. So all the dogs, every dog, every dog breed, by their very nature, are apex predators, and they enjoy this. They're born enjoying it. We don't have to teach them to enjoy these things. But they have to practice them. So when they play in the litter with their little mates, they practice these things, and they learn what works and what doesn't, and they become better at them. But these are the games they like to play with each other. So when we play with them, we have to harness these same aspects. Um, the other thing about that is not all dogs enjoy them all equally. So we have, with all the different breeds that we have created, we have created genetic differences and preferences in these dogs. So every dog breed has other preferences. You can go in with an assumption that certain breeds obviously like some things more than others. So if you have a dog who is an expert tracker, dogs with really good noses, who are really known for, for searching and tracking, they can enjoy searching activities by their very nature. Uh, pointers point. Pointing is a stalking activity. You don't have to teach a pointer to point. It's what they do. Right? Uh, when you have a herding breed like a shepherd or border collie or dog breeds like that, um, you expect there to be chasing, maybe some fighting, and um, maybe some celebration in there. But it, it again, every dog's different. So we have a going in assumption based on the breed or the breed mix the dog is at, and I'm thinking, yeah, the dog may like this or that. But we still have to explore with that individual dog, what is this dog about? What are his genetic desires? And we build the game around his genetic drives and desires. And over two to three weeks, we're making that the most fun thing he has ever had with a person. So we're showing him that I'm the most interesting human the dog, the dog has ever met. We play with him in a way that he's probably never played with a person before. And then, once we have high-level motivation in the game and the dog trusts us, we're starting turning that into a real game with rules. So now the dog learns completely outside the context of any problem he may have or any goal we may have, 
he learns certain rules. He learns to cooperate through the rules of the game. He learns that there is consequences for not following those rules. And if it's done correctly, it doesn't diminish the excitement of the game at all. Um, just like when you send your kid to basketball practice or he takes a liking to it, like split basketball, uh, it doesn't take away from the game if he learns he can't uh, elbow his opponent in the face just because he wants the ball. It's a foul. <laughs> Go to the sidelines, time out, right? So it's the same with a dog. So if you commit a, a foul, if you make a mistake, if you break the rules, there's consequences. So your dog learns that. So we teach cooperation through the game. We teach consequences through the game. We teach penalties for violating the rules through the, through the game. And we build authority in us with a dog as well. And all these things are done completely outside the context of, again, what we're going to do later. That keeps the conflict out of the situations. Let's say a dog is a dog aggressive towards other dogs. If I go straight at that problem, I'm going to have a tremendous amount of conflict in our interactions. And I probably haven't even earned the right yet to say no to that dog. You have to kind of earn that right by having a relationship that allows you to provide feedback that someone will accept. It's just like between people. Right? You're going to accept unpleasant or negative feedback from someone you trust or love and have respect for. Even if you don't like the feedback, you're going to listen to it and accept it. You're not going to hear it from someone who is a complete stranger to you. It's just not going to happen. So it's the same with the dog. So we have to earn the right through having a relationship and trust and establish parameters to be able to say no in, in a way that doesn't cause conflict in the relationship and leads to fallouts of fear and whatever. Um, but so that, that's basically the process. So we, we go through the process, we create motivation to the highest level possible, we get cooperation, we establish rules, we teach consequences, all outside the context of any, any goal or problem we may have. And then, after that's done, we tackle the issues. So let it, let it be obedience training, um, whatever reliability level we're at. We're training now also service dogs. Um, with my partner, Sarah, uh, our service dog business is total canine focused. There's also a link on the website. And those service dogs obviously have to have a super high level of reliability in just public access. So their obedience is at a level that's far beyond any pet. It takes longer too, obviously, but... Um, that's requirement for public access under the Americans with Disabilities Act. So you got to have that solidity in behavior and you need the highest motivation to accomplish that. So we accomplish our rival behaviors, we deal with behavioral problems, we help dogs with fear. Play is wonderful in fear, um, but also wonderful for aggressive behavior. So it's, it's a game changer in terms of how to approach behavioral issues as well as training high-level obedience. And after that's all done, we have people come out a couple of times, actually, and they're going to learn the game. They're going to learn how to deliver consequences, and then we answer any questions they may have, and there's lifetime support um, for the, the dogs that we have trained, for the things we have trained them on. So um, you can always call back with questions, but that's basically a high-level outline of how working with us looks like, and we stand behind our work because we can. Um, dogs often come back for a board boarding um, I only board dogs for people I've worked with and dogs who know me. And um, most dogs that I've trained come back here and there for, for little boarding visits when the family has to leave town and can't bring, can't bring their buddy. So that's a um, quick overview on why and how, how we work. Another quick thing I want to add to that is why. 
because in dog training, we speak of reinforcers. Right? And reinforcers, there are things that make behaviors more likely to occur. So technically, the definition of reinforcement is making a behavior more likely to occur. That's it. Whatever we're doing to accomplish that was reinforcing. And there's primary reinforcers and secondary reinforcers or tertiary reinforcers. But primary reinforcers is what we'll talk about. So a secondary would be clickers or markers or things like that, right? But a primary reinforcer is something that is reinforcing by nature. That means I don't have to do anything to use that to make a behavior more likely. The dog will become more likely to do something if a primary reinforcer is presented in some way. Um, and the primary reinforcers are basically genetically, biologically built into all of us. This is not just dogs. It applies to any, any mammal on Earth, pretty much. Um, so the first primary reinforcer, and it's a biological order that come in, is avoiding negative things. It's number one. You have to stay alive before anything else. So avoiding negative things means you're staying alive. Even single-cell organisms have mastered that. Otherwise, evolution eradicated the existence. <laughs> so if you don't manage to avoid negative things, you're out. So avoiding negative things is biology, biology number one. Um, number two is, well, i got to eat. That's food. That's why food's used a lot in training. It is the second a primary reinforcer in the hierarchy. You've got to eat to survive, so it's important. Number three is making copies of yourself. So in biology, the whole purpose of biology is to replicate and uh, have offspring. Um, we don't use that in training. I know Gene Donaldson did, but that's not something we should be doing. Um, dog trainer joke. Look that up sometimes. It's hilarious. There's some videos on YouTube. It's just, never mind. Okay. And number four is play. So avoiding negative things, food, sex, play. Those are the four primary reinforcers, and that is the order. Now, the first three are about survival. The last one is about having a good time. So when you work with food, you're operating with a reinforcer that at its very core is a survival-based reinforcer. Even if your dog eats regularly, it's still built in like, well, I only get this food if I work for it, right? So it's like I only get to live if I work, do what you're telling me to do. So there is a level of coercion built into this equation, even if you don't really coerce your dog because you're starving them, which you really shouldn't be doing. Um, but it's there. It's like, eh, it's food. I need it. Right? So with play, on the other hand, it's totally about motivation. You can do it or not do it. So I have to give you a reason to want to play with me. I have to give the dog a reason to give me a chance to play with him, to motivate him, to want to do it. So it's inherently, it's, in, uh, it's harder. Right? It's an inherently harder to start the process than it is with a piece of food but it is far more rewarding and produces far better results if you take the time to do it. And that time is a little longer. So our board and train program is longer. We have the time. We take the time. And um, never really had actually anybody um, truly take an issue with the time once they saw what we do with the time. So it is so worth doing. And it is such a game changer in terms of the reliability of the dogs, the happiness of the dogs, the way they perform everything. Um, look at our videos. I mean, that's the best thing you can do. Look at the training videos on the website or on the YouTube channel. There's tons of links. And 
watch how happy the dogs that we train are when they do obedience, when they do long downstays or sit or whatever. They don't just like, okay, I'll do it and I'll sit here and I'll, mm, mm. it's like you see sometimes it's not, not in that. They're like, yay, let me do this, let me that, let me that, I'm ready to go, what can we do next? I stay here, yeah, I'm happy about it. It's like, that's the, there is a motivation in the whole execution of all these behaviors because it's trained through a fun activity and the path to the fun goes through some obedience for them or don't, don't eat the other dog or whatever, whatever it is that we're working on. But it, it applies equally to, um, to all the, the, the training goals to after. And then the last point I want to make on this is by playing with dogs this way and learning how to do this correctly, everybody who goes through our training program those dogs are extremely unlikely to ever develop any kind of behavioral issues down the line. And the reason is this. A lot of the behavioral issues that people call dog trainers for come from a genetic frustration. You have dogs that have these genetic drives and desires. They want to hurt something. They want to hunt something. They want to whatever. Huh? And they live in backyards. They live in homes. They have comfortable lives. But... They don't have an outlet for what truly drives them. That's missing. So they find an outlet. And these outlets they find we don't like. Yeah? It's eating the sprinkler hats. It's digging up the flower beds. It's pacing the fences. It's chasing kids on skateboards. It's whatever it is that dogs do that people don't like and they hire trainers for. It's usually genetic frustration. And it means that if we provide the dogs with an outlet for their genetic drives and alleviate that genetic frustration with a daily game, of just getting that, um, getting that fulfilled on a daily basis. We avoid all of that, and then these problems don't develop. So we have a happier dog, we have a more fulfilled dog, we have a, a dog that has long-term really, it's gonna thrive, it's really gonna thrive. And that, that's the key um, to happy dog ownership and a happy, happy dog. So that's what we do here, happy dog training. <laughs> it's really, there are happy dogs. And that's, that's what we're after, and that's why we're doing it all through play-based training, and it's been a true, uh, great experience. And if your dog starts up with us in any of our training programs, you'll see for yourself. But before that, check out our training videos, check out our testimonials, see what clients have to say. It's a different way of training. It's probably different from what you've seen elsewhere, but it's, it's great. You'll like it. <laughs>